Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Chapter 19 of The Dude Wrangler by Caroline Lockhart. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter 19. A Shock for Mr. Canby. The morning following their arrival at the Lola Bama, the happy family, looking several shades less happy, began coming from their tents shortly after daylight. By five o'clock they were all up and dressed, since, being accustomed to darkened rooms, they found themselves unable to sleep, owing to the glare coming through the white canvas. Out of consideration for his guests, whom he remembered as late risers, Wally had set the breakfast hour at eight-thirty. This seemed an eternity to the happy family, who, already famished, consulted their watches with increasing frequency while they watched the door of the bunkhouse like cats at a mouse-hole for the cook to make his appearance. After a restless night, due to strange beds and surroundings, still fatigued with their long journey, their muscles stiff from the churning in the stagecoach, they were not better-natured for being ferociously hungry. After wandering around to look listlessly at the ponies, and at the salt-water plunge that was to rejuvenate them, they sat down on the edge of the platforms in front of their tents to endure somehow the three hours which must pass before breakfast. The dawn was sweet-scented, the song of the meadow-lark celestial, and the colors of the coming day reflected on the snow-covered peaks, a sight to be remembered. But the gusts had no eyes or ears or nose for any of the charms of the early morning. The rising of the sun was nothing as compared to the rising of the cook who would appease their savage hunger. Conversation was reduced to monosyllables as, miserable and apathetic, they sat thinking of the food they had sent back to Mr. Cone's kitchen with caustic comments of the various dishes for which the chef of the colonial was celebrated. Mr. Stott thought that his watch must be slow, until it was found that every other watch agreed with his exactly. He declared that, when the cook did appear, he meant to urge him to hurry breakfast. The cook came out, finally, at 7.30, and, after a surprised glance at the row on the platforms, strode into the kitchen where he rattled the range as if it were his purpose to wreck it. When the smoke rose from the chimney, Mr. Stott went to the door to carry out his intention of asking the cook to speed up breakfast. A large sign greeted him. Dudes, keep out! The cook was a gaunt, long-legged person with a saturnine countenance, he wore a seersucker coat with a nickel badge pinned on the lapel of it. As an opening wedge, Mr. Stott smiled engagingly and pointed to it. For exceptional gallantry, I presume. A war medal? 
the hero stopped long enough to offer it for Mr. Stott's closer inspection. It read, United Order of Pastry Cooks of the World. Taken somewhat aback, Mr. Stott said feebly, Very nice, indeed, er... Mr. Hicks, at your service, the cook supplemented, bowing formally. Hicks, Mr. Stott added, Just take a second longer and say Mr., the cook eyed him in such a fashion as he administered the reprimand for his familiarity that Mr. Stott backed off without mentioning his starving condition. "'What did he say?' they asked, eagerly, as he sat down on his platform, somewhat crestfallen. "'He seems a temperamental person,' Mr. Stott replied evasively, "'but we shall have breakfast in due season.' It was suspected that Mr. Stott had failed in his mission, and they were sure of it, as the hands dragged around to 8.30. At that hour precisely, Mr. Hicks came out and hammered on a triangle as vigorously as if it were necessary. In spite of their efforts to appear unconcerned when it jangled, the haste of the guests was nothing less than indecent as they hurried to the dining room and scrambled for seats at the table. The promise of food raised their spirits a trifle, and Mr. Apple was able to say humorously, as, with his table-knife, he scalped his agate-ware plate loose from the oilcloth. I suppose we shall soon learn the customs of the country. In a month we should all be fairly well acclimated. Acclimated, Mr. Stott corrected. Acclimated. Mr. Apple maintained, obstinately, at least with your kind permission, I shall continue to so pronounce it. I beg your pardon, Mr. Stott apologized with elaborate sarcasm. But when I am wrong, I like to be told of it. Which was not the strict truth, for the reason that no one ever was able to convince him that he ever was mistaken. As a result of the discussion, everyone was afraid to use the word for fear of offending one or the other. The silence that followed while breakfast was being placed upon the table was broken by Miss Eyster, who said timidly, In the night, I thought I heard something sniffing, and it frightened me. Not to be outdone in sensational experiences, Mrs. Stott averred positively, there was some wild animal running over our tent. I could hear its sharp claws sticking into the canvas. A coyote, I fancy. A ground squirrel, more likely, remarked Mr. Apple. Mr. Stott smiled at him. Squirrel, if you will allow me to again correct you. I guess I can't help myself, replied Mr. Apple dryly. Mr. Stott shrugged a shoulder, and his tolerant look said plainly that, after all, one should not expect too much of a man who had begun life as a breaker boy. The squirrel, or coyote, or whatever it was, Mrs. Stott continued, went pitter-patter, pitter-patter, so, she illustrated with her fingertips on the oilcloth. Probably a chipmunk said Pinky, prosaically. 
"'Are they dangerous, Mr. Fripp?' inquired Miss Gasket. "'Not unless cornered or wounded,' he replied gravely. This was a joke, obviously, so everybody laughed, which stimulated Pinky to further effort. When Mr. Hicks poured his cup so full that the coffee ran over, he remarked facetiously, "'It won't stack, Cookie.' Coffee pot in hand, Mr. Hicks drew himself up majestically, and his eyes withered Pinky. I beg to be excused from such familiarity, and if you wish our pleasant relations to continue, you will not repeat it. I better won't josh him again, Pinky said ruefully, when Mr. Hicks returned to the kitchen in the manner of offended royalty. Cooks are sometimes very peculiar, observed Mr. Stott buttering his pancakes lavishly. I remember that my mother, my mother, by the way, Mr. Penrose, was a sprute. Shout? Old Mr. Penrose, who complained of a pounding in his ears, was not hearing so well in the high altitude. Mr. Apple and Pinky tittered, which nettled Mr. Stott, and he shouted, Sprout! An old Philadelphia family! Oh, yes, Mr. Penrose recollected. I recall Amanda Sprout. She married a stevedore. Your sister? Mr. Stott chose to ignore the inquiry and said coldly, My father was in public life. He might have added that his father was a policeman, and therefore his statement was no exaggeration. Everybody felt that it served Mr. Penrose right for telling about the stevedore. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.